Amen. That is the prayer of our hearts. You may be seated. Pueden sentarse. I want to send out our beautiful children for children in worship time right now. That's our boys and girls who are three years old up to third, or fifth grade rather. Uh, los niños van al tiempo de niños en adoración. The rest of us are going to get ready for our message time. I invite you to get a Bible, whether it's a, a physical Bible or one on your phone. We do have extra Bibles in the back. Tenemos Biblias detrás. Again, as last week, we have a lot here today. I feel like I've got a fire hydrant here that I'm about to open up and just you know, spew out uh, all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot. So we're going to get started. Vamos a lanzarnos porque hay mucho por cubrir. And our reading to begin with is going to be from Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Apocalipsis 12, del 13 al 17 es la lectura. Page numbers there on the screen. And uh, our focus today is on all of chapter 12 and 13. Estamos mirando capítulos 12 y 13. That's a lot. Uh, so I'm going to read this portion first in English, then in Spanish. Voy a leer primero en inglés, después en español, and we will go from there. So, again, this is the word of God, la palabra de Dios. And this is what it says. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Cuando el dragón se vio arrojado a la tierra, persiguió a la mujer que había dado a luz al varón. Pero a la mujer se le dieron las dos alas de la gran águila para que volara al desierto, al lugar donde sería sustentada durante un tiempo y tiempos y medio tiempo, lejos de la vista de la serpiente. La serpiente persiguiendo a la mujer arrojó por sus fauces agua como un río para que la corriente la arrastrara. Pero la tierra ayudó a la mujer, abrió la boca y se tragó el río que el dragón había arrojado por sus fauces. Entonces el dragón se enfureció contra la mujer y se fue a hacer guerra contra el resto de sus descendientes, los cuales obedecen los mandamientos de Dios y se mantienen fieles al testimonio de Jesús. So as we begin this morning, I want to have a little bit of fun, and I would like to, to uh, share with you some old advertising slogans, okay? Voy a compartir con ustedes los eslóganes antiguos de publicidad. You know, today's a day of big commercials on TV, right? So I've got some old ones for you. Uh, some of you may know them, some of you may not. Uh, algunos pueden ser familiares, otros no, but here's the deal. If you know what it is, just go ahead and you know, shout it out, okay? Uh, si ya saben, pues digan en voz alta que es. Let's see if you can guess which brand I'm talking about here. So, you deserve a break today, so get up and get away to McDonald's. Maybe I should have sung that one because that was a song, okay? All right, uh, let's try this one. I am stuck on Band-Aid because Band-Aid stuck on me, right? Don't leave home without it. American Express. 
la chispa de la vida. Coca-Cola. It's the real thing. It's the real thing. Coca-Cola. That's right. That's right. I mean, there are many more I could share with you. Uh, but again, some of you knew them, some of you didn't. If you were around 40 years ago, 50 years ago, like me, you probably recognized some of them. Si vivías hace 40 años, a lo mejor reconocían algunos. If you were born after that time, you're like, what's this about, right? Si nacieron después, no, no, no los reconocían. Well, again, I'm, I'm trying to give you an example through this exercise of what we're dealing with here. As we go into the book of Revelation, there's so many words and symbols and images and, yes, numbers, and, and it doesn't always make sense to us here in the 21st century. Las imágenes y símbolos y números no hacen sentido para nosotros en el siglo XXI. But if we can just try to adjust our eyes and our ears and, and we can hear with first century ears, listen and read with first century eyes, I think it will begin to make sense to us. And so it, that is in a sense what we're trying to do. Estamos intentando leer y oír con ojos y oídos del primer siglo. Our challenge in reading Revelation with fresh eyes is to read with their eyes. Estamos intentando leer con los ojos de ellos. So that's what we need to keep in mind today again as we dive into chapters 12 and chapter 13. So I want to summarize a little bit. So far we have experienced what are called the seven seals. Hemos visto los siete sellos. And that uh, has to do with the plan of God. The big plan of God. Uh, and it's kind of from 30,000 feet. It's like here's the big picture. Los siete sellos tienen que ver con el plan de Dios a 30,000 pies. And then we also encountered what are called the seven trumpets. Después las siete trompetas. And you could say that that's the same thing as looking at the big scope of God's plan, but maybe from 10,000 feet. It's from a different level. Estamos mirando el plan de Dios en las siete trompetas, digamos, de diez mil pies. Well, today in chapters 12 and 13, we have other visions here that John writes down. And in a sense, these visions, although they seem to be strange, are, are landing on the ground. These visions, I think, have to do a lot with what the Christians in that time, with those seven churches of Asia Minor, were experiencing. Las visiones en 12 y 13 aterrizan y nos dan la experiencia de esos cristianos. And it begins in chapter 12 with what is called a great sign that appears in heaven. Aparece una señal maravillosa en el cielo, and it's a woman. Es una mujer. Not just any woman, mind you. She is dressed with the sun, she's got the moon at her feet, she's got a crown of 12 stars on her head, está revestida del sol con la luna a los pies, con una corona de 12 estrellas en la cabeza. And verse 2 says, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Estaba encinta y gritaba por los dolores y angustias del parto. And then in verse 3, there's another sign that appears. Otra señal aparece. And what is this? It says it is an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns on his head. Es un enorme dragón de rojo con siete cabezas, diez cuernos y una diadema en cada cabeza. And this is a powerful dragon. He sweeps a third of the stars out of the sky. Es poderoso. Él, él quita un tercio de las estrellas del cielo. And he's standing in front. Verse 4 says he's standing in front of this woman as she's about to give birth. 
so that he might devour the child the moment it is born. Se planta delante de la mujer para devorar al niño tan pronto como nazca. And yet, he's not going to be able to do that. Why? The woman gives birth to a baby boy, but this baby boy is no weakling. He da a luz un varón, pero no es nada débil, el varón. Verse 5 says, she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Dio a luz a un hijo varón que gobernará todas las naciones con un puño de hierro. Now, if we're listening with first century ears, reading with first century eyes, we might see that this is a direct reference to Psalm number 2 in the Old Testament. Se refiere a Salmo 2, el Antiguo Testamento. And Psalm number 2 talks about the Messiah. It talks about, uh, 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 about this Savior King who is anointed and appointed, appointed by God and he will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Salmo 2 habla del Mesías, el que va a reinar sobre todo con un puño de hierro. So who is this child in this vision? ¿Quién es este niño? Of course, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, the Messiah, Jesús, el Mesías. So what about the woman then? Who's the woman? ¿Quién es la mujer? Well, she's not just Mary. She's not just Mary. She represents more. Representa más que María. She represents Israel to some degree, yes, because Jesus came from Israel. He was born out of Israel. Representa Israel. But it's more. This woman, it would appear, to our best understanding, represents all the people of God. Jewish, Gentile, all those who belong to Christ representa a, a todo el pueblo de Dios. The Messiah has come out of God's people in order to rule the nations, in order to rule the world. El Mesías ha venido a reinar sobre todos. Now this dragon tries to get after this baby as we said, but the dragon cannot touch this child because he's whisked away up to the throne of God. Está arrebatado este niño al trono de Dios. By dying on the cross, by rising from the dead, by ascending into heaven, Jesus reigns and Satan can't touch him. Su reina y Satanás no lo puede tocar. But he tries to now touch the woman. He goes after this woman and she escapes, it says, to the desert. That's interesting. La mujer escapa, se escapa al desierto. Why? Because when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, back in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, they were chased by Pharaoh and his armies. Faraón estaba acosando a los israelitas en Éxodo. What happened? They escaped to the desert. She escapes to the desert for 1,260 days. Se escapa durante 1,260 días. That's, again, as we said last week, that's a time that is ordained by God, a designated time for God. Now, there's drama, right? That's drama going on on the earth. But while there's drama going on on the earth, there's war going up in heaven, in the sky. Hay una guerra en el cielo. And specifically, we encounter Michael, God's warrior angel. And at 30,000 feet or whatever altitude it is, he's clashing with this great dragon whom we know to be Satan. Miguel el guerrero, el ángel guerrero de Dios, ataca a Satanás, el gran dragón. There's a great battle. Una batalla. Well, surprise, surprise, God wins. Dios gana la victoria. Satan, the dragon, is kicked out of heaven. 
and thrown down to the earth. Está expulsado Satanás del cielo y arrojado a la tierra. And then we see that there's good news and there's bad news connected with this. Hay buenas noticias y malas noticias. The good news is in verse 10 and 11. Versículos 10 y 11 tienen las buenas noticias. Here's the good news. Now have come the salvation and power and kingdom of God and the authority of the Messiah, the authority of Christ. Ya han llegado la salvación de nuestro Dios, la autoridad del Cristo. Why? Because the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Ha sido expulsado el acusador de nuestros hermanos el que los acusa día y noche delante de nuestro Dios. Satan has been cast down. He can't accuse God's people anymore. No puede acusar a los, a, a, a los de Dios. And then verse 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of of their testimony. Ellos lo han vencido por medio de la sangre del Cordero y por el mensaje del cual dieron testimonio. So Satan is a defeated enemy. He can no longer accuse God's people. Satanás ha sido derrotado, no puede acusar a los de Dios. And God's people can triumph by sticking with the Lamb and proclaiming that He is Lord, His message, His truth. Los de Dios triunfan por el testimonio a Jesús el Cordero que los salva. That's good news, right? That's the good thing about this. Eso es lo bueno, but here's the bad news. Verse 12, versículo 12, las malas noticias. But woe to the earth and sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Hay de la tierra y del mar, el diablo lleno del furor ha descendido a ustedes porque sabe que le queda muy poco tiempo. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but way back a few weeks ago, we talked about three woes and we only got two of them. This is the third one. This is the third woe. Este es el tercer ay. De los tres ayes que hablamos hace unas semanas. What is that third woe? It's simply this. As the Bible says, Satan is roaming the earth looking for someone to devour. Satanás vaga por la tierra buscando a quien devorar. And specifically, he's looking to come after the people of God. He's looking to devour God's people. Quiere devorar a los de Dios. He's chasing after this woman and again we see this view of this at the end of chapter 12 but the woman is given the wings of an eagle just like Israel was taken out of Egypt out of the wings of, God, of an eagle so God's people the church is being chased by the devil but God is taking his people to a place of safety for time times and half a time that's 1260 days 42 months a God ordained season Dios levanta su iglesia en las alas de una gran águila por tiempo tiempos y medio tiempo un tiempo Ordenado por Dios. The dragon tries to, to come after the church spewing water out of his mouth. Está con un río de agua de los fauces. It's a symbol. Water is a symbol of chaos and death. Agua es símbolo del caos y la muerte. Satan is going to try to harass and destroy those who believe in the Lamb. The earth opens up, swallows the water, la tierra se traga el agua, and the woman again, as I said, is kept safe. 
And then in verse 17, we find a summary of all of this that I think is true to our day even now. Uh, this is what I think we can say is happening in our world. Versículo 17 es un resumen de lo que pasa en el mundo. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. El dragón se enfureció contra la mujer y se fue a hacer guerra contra el resto de sus descendientes, los cuales obedecen los mandamientos de Dios y se mantienen fieles al testimonio de Jesús. So there's a dragon on the loose and he's coming after the church. Un dragón va en pos de la iglesia. How is this dragon coming after God's people? ¿Cómo? Persecution for sure. But in chapter 13, as we come in, we get a, a different picture of what this is looking like, how this is playing out. Vemos esto en, el, en, en capítulo 13, and it has to do with two beasts. Tiene que ver con dos bestias. The first beast comes from the sea, where the dragon was last seen standing. La primera bestia es del mar. We find a description in verses 1 and 2. It says, this beast had ten horns, seven heads, Ten crowns on his horns. Tenía siete cabezas, diez cuernos y una diadema en cada cabeza. And it says, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. That's what it says. La bestia parecía como un leopardo, tenía patas como oro, fauces como un león. And then it says, the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and his great authority. El dragón le confirió a la bestia su poder, trono y gran autoridad. What in the world is this talking about? Again, if we have first century ears and eyes and we know the scriptures, si conocemos las escrituras con ojos del primer siglo, we might recognize something here and it comes from all the way back in Daniel chapter 7 of the Old Testament. It said Daniel capítulo 7. If you read Daniel chapter 7 around verse 4, Daniel 7, 4, you'll see Daniel have a great vision. He has a vision of four beasts. Tiene visión de cuatro bestias. One beast is like a leopard. One beast is like a, a bear. One beast is like a lion. And the fourth beast is unlike them all. It's even greater. A una bestia como un leopardo, otro como oso, otro como león, y un cuarto, una cuarta bestia como ninguna otra. And in Daniel, these are all empires. Son imperios. Fast forward to Revelation chapter 13. What do we have? We have a beast. This beast is a combination of a leopard, a bear, a lion. Esta bestia, Apocalipsis, es un leopardo, oso y un león, una combinación. This beast is the fourth beast of Daniel. Es la cuarta bestia de Daniel. But then there's something interesting about this beast that we have to note in verse 3. Versículo 3, it says, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. Una de las cabezas de la bestia parecía haber sufrido una herida mortal, pero ya estaba herida, como sanada. Esta herida estaba como sanada. It's interesting that this beast reminds us of the beast from Daniel, but it also reminds us of the description of the lamb we found in chapter 5. Es como el cordero de capítulo 5. Uh, the lamb that was slain but was now alive, that's connected to Jesus, right? Jesús es el cordero que había sido sanado. This beast is trying to mimic, trying to imitate the lamb. 
está intentando imitar, esta bestia está imitando al cordero. Trying to look like he was dead and is now alive. Again, we have to ask the question, what is this all about? ¿De qué se trata? Well, Bible scholars are way more attentive than I am can give us a little bit of a historical background here. And if we're listening with first century ears and reading with first century eyes, we recognize what this beast is. This beast that Daniel's talking about, that John is talking about, is the Roman Empire. Ese es el Imperio Romano. And the Roman Empire of that time is personified. The representative, the personalization of the Roman Empire is the terrible emperor Nero. Nerón es la personificación de este imperio. Let me tell you about Nero. Nero was a beast. Nerón era una bestia. We're talking about a guy who killed his own brother, murdered his own mother just to come to power. Mató a su hermano y su mamá para, para hacerse emperador. He stole a woman from another man, got her pregnant, and then proceeded to kick her to death. Robó a una mujer de un hombre, le hizo embarazada y después la mató a patadas. And Nero hated Christians. He came after the church. He persecuted Christians. History records that Nero used some Christians, get this, as tiki torches in his backyard. He lit them on fire to illuminate his patio gardens at night. El quemaba cristianos como antorchas tipo tiki en su patio de atrás. And that's just the beginning of Nero. That's just the good stuff he did. Okay, we got to understand how terrible this man was. Era terrible. In the year 68 AD, Nero killed himself. Nero se suicidó en el año 68. The next year, Rome almost died. Roma casi murió el próximo año. They had four emperors in one year. Hubo cuatro emperadores en un año. Rome almost was done. But then, it was like Rome rose again from the dead. Fue como si resucitara Roma. Rome came back, and Rome, when it came back, came back with a vengeance. Surgió Roma con mucha venganza, and then the worship of the emperor exploded in the spirit of Nero. Emperor worship was like never before. El culto al emperador era más que Nunca. And if we look at the descriptions here, we'll see what this is all about. At the end of verse 3, 13-3, it's the whole world was astonished and followed the beast. El mundo entero fascinado iba tras la bestia. Verse 5, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemy and exercise authority for how long? 42 months. A la vez se le permitió hablar con arrogancia, proferir blasfemia, se le confirió, se le confirió autoridad para actuar durante 42 meses. Verse 7. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language and nation. Have you recognized that? That's what they were saying about Jesus just a couple chapters ago. He's trying to imitate Jesus. También se le permitió hacer guerra a los santos y tenía autoridad sobre toda raza, pueblo, lengua y nación. Look at verse 8. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. A la bestia la adoraron. Uh, todos los habitantes de la tierra. 
all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. Aquellos cuyos nombres no han sido escritos en el libro de la vida del Cordero. Rome is that beast under the orders of the dragon, the devil. Roma está bajo las órdenes del dragón del diablo. Personified in Nero, the son of the dragon, so to speak. And the beast persecutes and kills Christians. Persigue y mata a los cristianos. But then there's another beast. Another beast at the end of chapter 13, hay otra bestia, it says, I saw another beast. And this one comes from the earth. Viene de la tierra. And this beast also is trying to imitate the lamb. It has two horns like a lamb. Tiene dos cuernos como un cordero. Quiere imitar el cordero. But it speaks like what? A dragon. Habla como un dragón. What is this beast? Some Bible scholars believe this is the beast of Asia Minor, of the, of the region where the seven churches are. Es, es la bestia de Asia, la región de las siete iglesias. This is the local beast on the ground that is trying to uh, uh, come around those churches. This is the beast of the local governing authorities. This is the beast that is in control of the culture of that area. This is the beast that is all about empire worship. This is the beast that, that is trying, it's really a totalitarian system that is all around these churches. Es un sistema totalitario que está alrededor de estas iglesias and it's on the ground trying to enforce what the first beast is doing. Look at verses 12 and 15. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Ejercía toda la autoridad de la primera bestia en presencia de ella y hacía que la tierra y sus habitantes adoraran la primera bestia cuya herida mortal había sido sanada. Verse 15. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Se le permitió infundir vida a la primera imagen de la, a la imagen de la primera bestia para que hablara y mandara matar a quienes no adoraran la imagen. This is the beast on the ground that's saying, worship the emperor. I'm speaking for the emperor and it incarnates the emperor and the empire. Es la encarnación del de imperio y del, del emperador and this beast can kill, yes, but this beast does something else. This beast is trying to deceive and to intimidate God's people into worshiping the emperor. This beast tries to get Christians to accommodate, to compromise, to go with the flow and bow the knee to the beast, the first one. Esta bestia quiere que las, los cristianos se acomoden a la cultura y que se inclinen ante la bestia. And the main tools here are deception and coercion. El engaño y la coerción son las armas. Let's go to verse 16. He also forced Everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
Además logró que a todos grandes, pequeños, ricos, pobres, etcétera, se les pusiera una marca en la mano derecha o en la frente, de modo que nadie pudiera comprar ni vender a menos que llevara la marca que es el nombre de la bestia o el número de ese nombre. Now, we could spend a lot of time here trying to debate this one, all right? There's a lot of debate. Who's, who's this talking about? What is this mark of the beast? ¿Qué es esta marca de la bestia? The, the mark of the beast may have in that time been a physical mark. Certainly certain populations had physical marks put on them. Slaves did. Los esclavos tenían marcas físicas. But here's something we need to pay attention to. There was one mark of the beast that touched everybody. Había una sola marca de la bestia que tocaban a todos. It was the mark of the emperor's impression found on every single Roman coin. Era la marca del emperador en las monedas romanas. Without that mark in your hand, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot live in that society. You've got to have that mark of the beast. Tienes que tener la marca de la bestia, las monedas para vender, comprar, para comer tu pan diario. And it's almost as if here we're seeing something where there's a whole, like I said, system going on. That's all about the beast. The mark of the beast is not only on the coins, it's on flags, it's on statues, it's in the marketplace, it's at your place of work where even to be a part of a guild or a union, you've got to bow the knee to the beast to keep your job. Está en, 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 en banderas y en estatuas, en los mercados, The beast rules everything. La bestia reina todo. And you just can't get away from it. So it's almost as if what we're seeing here is John is kind of saying, hey, you can't avoid the mark of the beast, but don't let that mark get on you. Don't be squeezing so tight after money and wanting to make it ahead in this kind of society that the mark of that coin gets imprinted on the palm of your hand and the mark of the beast is on you. No, no te afanes por el dinero tanto que la impresión de la bestia está en tu mano. Don't let the beast get into your head. Don't let the beast get into your heart with his deceptions. Que no entre por tu cabeza ni por tu corazón esta bestia. It's not a physical mark to avoid, it's a spiritual mark. Be marked by Jesus Christ. Not by the beast. Hay que estar sellado, marcado por Jesucristo. So what are God's people to do here? Think about this. ¿Qué hacer? And here's where I think we need to start asking that question, not only from a first century point of view, we have to come back to our century, the 21st century. Hay que hacer la pregunta ahora de nuestro punto de vista también. What are we to do? There are two words of counsel here in Revelation 13 that I think are important. Hay dos consejos. The first is in chapter 13, verse 10. Versículo 10. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. En eso consiste en la perseverancia, la fidelidad de los santos. What do you do when the beast is all over the place? Hang on. Endure. Be persistent and keep worshiping the real thing, the real lamb. 
Jesus. Hay que adorar al verdadero Cordero que es Jesús. That's the way that you can conquer. You will be able to conquer persecution by what? The blood of the Lamb. The one who died and rose for you. Be persistent. Hold on tight to Jesus. Get his mark in your heart, in your life, because he's got a hold on you. Aférrense a Jesús porque él se aferra a ustedes. Calls for patient endurance and faithfulness. Stay true to him. The second word of advice is in verse 18. Versículo 18. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. The number 666. En eso consiste la sabiduría. El que tenga entendimiento, calcule el número de la bestia, pues es número de un ser humano. 666. Not only do we need patient endurance and faithfulness, it not only calls for patient endurance, it calls for wisdom. Se necesita perseverancia y sabiduría. In other words, recognize when the beast is trying to get his mark on you. Reconozcan cuando la bestia quiere imponer su marca en tu vida. Now again, I could step down into a hole here on this whole debate. What's the 666 all about and who is that? Who was that? Who will that be? I can't resolve all of that today. No voy a resolver quién era, quién era y será la bestia. Who's that? El número 666. Well, I can give you this much. If we're reading with first century eyes and listening with first century ears, we need to understand there's only one that fits this description from that point of view. En el primer siglo había solo uno. When you take the Hebrew letters that add up to 666 and line them out, it spells Nero Caesar. 666 en hebreo deletrea la palabra Nerón César. Nero Caesar. He's the guy you got to watch out for. He's the unholy spirit of Rome and the beast and the devil. Es el espíritu impiadoso del diablo y de la bestia. Don't let that wolf in sheep's clothing get after you. Even though he's dead and people say he's come back to life, don't give in to that garbage. Now, the names might be different. They are, aren't they? The names might be different, but uh, the threat of evil is still the same today, isn't it? La amenaza la misma, aunque los nombres sean diferentes. And again, like I said, we could all argue about who, who fits this description today. I think what we're talking about is how Satan the dragon wants to manifest his desire to control everything in our world. And we see the dragon, don't we? We see the dragon popping up in different things. The dragon's in politics, of course. The dragon is in economics. The dragon is in entertainment. The dragon's in sports. The dragon is in music. El dragón está en el negocio, en la política, en el gobierno, el comercio. Now, these things are not evil by themselves, right? No son malos en sí estas cosas, but the dragon wants to get in them all to control. We got a big game today, right? Big game today. I predict you're going to see the dragon pop up here and there. You're going to see Jesus and his people pop up too. You will. Van a escuchar testimonios de los que son de Jesús y los que no hoy. 
Watch for the dragon and how he pops up. He popped up at the Grammy Awards last week. Did you know that? Right? Surgió en los premios Grammy. Sometimes he's hidden. Sometimes he's very clear to see. I think the danger is often more when the dragon's hidden. This calls for patient endurance and wisdom. Hay que tener la persistencia y la sabiduría to overcome the twin beasts. The real twin beasts are persecution and accommodation. La persecución y la acomodación son las bestias grandes. And how do we do that? Worship the lamb. Worship the lamb and have a consistent, wise witness to him. You see, the, 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 the sign of allegiance in the Roman Empire was to say, Caesar is Lord. Cesar es Señor era señal de lealtad en el Imperio Romano. Christians were persecuted and hounded because they said, Jesus is Lord. Jesús es el Señor. He's the one that rules with an iron scepter. He's the pantocrator that has everything in his hands. Él es el que reina con todo. There's really a prayer that I think is connected with everything we've been learning today. It's the prayer Jesus gave us. Part of that prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. No nos metas en tentación, mas líbranos del mal. That's the prayer that should be on our hearts as we look at these two chapters. What are the trials that you and I are facing right now?